This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. We're back! This is Rachel Turner for the Parenting for Faith podcast, and it is after Christmas. Good job, everybody. We did it. Happy Christmas. Well, I hope you had a happy Christmas. It is now the new year and it's a lot less colorful. I don't know about you, but I have now taken down my decorations and my house looks sad. (laughs) You never realize how colorless your house is until you take down your Christmas decorations. So now I'm spending a lot of time thinking, man, I should really like, you know, make my house nicer the rest of the year. But anyways, (laughs) post-reflections. I'm now in the washing and uh, trying to get my brain on for a new school year. I find New Year's weird because like I know it's a new year, but if like I'm honest, I'm still writing 1999 on things. So like, I guess I have to get used to 2019. I don't know. We'll see. You never really know what year I'm writing in. Today's episode, we are going to talk about how you can tell where your kid is spiritually. Uh, we have a few questions and answers. We'll be looking at New Year's resolutions and how we can talk about them with our kids. But first, I wanted to tell you about uh, something that we're doing. I try not to be all advertising in the podcast, but there's something uh, that we're doing as a ministry that you might want to plug in with. Um We're starting this on January 14th. It's a Parenting for Faith course watch party. I know that um, we have a course uh, that can help sort of a a sort of more uh, detailed uh, course that goes through sort of key tools that we can use, all of us, to um, parent our kids for faith and sort of grow in that confidence. And normally um, people can watch this on their own, Uh, churches go through the course together, and it's really useful to be part of a community when uh, we're going through a course. But sometimes we can't get the babysitters to go or we our church isn't running it. And uh, it can be hard to access the course. You can always watch the sessions for free online at the Parenting for Faith website, but it's really nice to go through it together with someone. And so we are doing an online watch party. It's a Facebook group where we can all watch the course video together and then online chat about it while it's happening. And afterwards, one of our team, Anna, uh, who's a mom of two, will be facilitating all the chats and the questions. And uh, then I'll come in and join in occasionally too to do some Facebook lives and answer questions as they come up. It'll be happening on Monday nights starting January 14th. Feel free to jump in at the beginning or join in. If that doesn't work for you on Monday nights, then still watch the course on your own. It's free on online and then join in the discussion. So go to the Parenting for Faith watch party on Facebook to sign up. It's free. It'll be a closed group. So you'll be able to talk freely and not worry about um, about saying something you don't want everyone to have because uh, we want it to be a place where you can share honestly. But first, New Year's resolutions. It's a new year when we all begin to think. I mean, if we have space to think, uh, I want to be better at this or that, or I want this change in my life. Some of us may try, some of us are just too tired and may not try anything at all, but we can feel that way about helping kids spiritually. Every new year, particularly after Christmas, I end up reflecting this year, 
This year, it'll be different. This year, uh, I'm going to set a lofty goal for myself in terms of my spiritual parenting. I will model reading my Bible three times a week. I will do amazing spiritual times with my kids where we all sing worship songs together. I will finally get them all on team at church or sort out how we feel about church or finally have space to think about all this stuff. I love that desire, that right desire to help our kids meet and know God, to see them connected to God in powerful ways. But it can all feel huge. Um, I was reading this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear <laughs> in my pre-New Year's ambition to try change things about myself. And uh, there's like, I own a lot of books about, you know, willpower and habits and blah, 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 blah. But uh, I found this one really encouraging, which I find rare. Uh, and the whole premise of this book is that small choices accumulate. We all want to improve. I want to be twice as good at the end of the year at, at this thing. I want to be better, big goals. But uh, the author, James Clear, was saying, though that can be overwhelming. We don't have to set these huge goals. He says, don't worry about the big, just be 1% better today than you were yesterday. Just 1%. I'm going to do 1% more of letting my kids see moments of my spiritual life. I'm going to do 1% more today of helping make sense of the world for my kids. I'm going to help them connect with God 1% more than yesterday. 1% isn't even noticeable most of the time. But if we do it every day, at the end of the year, we'll be 37 times better than we were before. He did all the maths, not me. Not two times better, not 10 times better, 37 times better by almost imperceptibly doing 1% more than we did yesterday. Your little choices make a difference. Your little 1% efforts add up. As you head into this year, let your heart dream big for your kids' lives with God, but give yourself the grace and ambition to grow at a steady and barely noticeable rate that will have a massive impact over a year. I just wanted to pray for you at the beginning of this year. Pray for us all, really. Oh, God, I love that you walk this crazy journey of parenting with us. Thank you that you laugh with us at our catastrophic, crazy mistakes, and that you are with us in the pain, and that you hold us when we're exhausted. And I thank you that you have called us to this uh, great gift of being involved in the lives of a kid, whether we're parents or carers, or grandparents, or people who have kids in our lives. God, thank you that you've placed us in this place. And as we go through this year, I pray that you would encourage our hearts that we may do just 1% more today, just a tiny fraction of a, of a moment where we think I can do this one little thing today. And I thank you that you are the God that sees all, that you are the God that sees forward in time, that um, you can see what this little change today will make in the long term of eternity. Thank you that you love our kids more than we could possibly love them. Thank you that you are talking to them, that you are with them, and that you are drawing them to you. I pray that you would open our eyes that we may see how we can, with our little 1% more today, partner with you to see our kids meet and know you in powerful ways. In Jesus' name, amen.
It's time for our question section. I have two questions to answer today. One was a question that I had at Christmas because uh, I had it. And this was like my boo new thing. You can feel really smart next year. Uh, Does the Christmas pudding have to be hot to pour the brandy on it and light it on fire? That was my question. And do you know what the answer is? I have a science husband who does sciencey things. Uh, his answer is it, you cannot light it on fire unless the brandy and or the Christmas pudding is hot. And I thought that made no sense because alcohol should be able to light on fire. And uh, do you know what? It's true. I tried to light a bowl of cold brandy on fire. Can't do it. Just so you know, you have to heat one or the other because then it makes the like it makes the alcohol begin to evaporate and then that like evaporation lights on fire so there you go just in case you wanted to know can i light this bowl of brandy cold brandy on fire the answer is no you can't and uh so you are now smarter science uh that that, it really i my poor family had to go through extensive uh experiments this christmas um Right. Uh, The second question I have is the much, much, much more important question. Someone very kindly sent this in uh, to our uh, contact us details on our website. So thank you. And please, if you have a question, please send it in. Um, This question is a question for the podcast. How to teach some of the Old Testament stories to children, which are really pretty violent and shocking, but often become sanitized for kids. Noah's Ark, the Wall of Jericho, Samson. Thanks. Uh, Thank you for your question. Yes, I agree. I do not understand why Noah's Ark is such a kid's story. I mean, there's a lot of dead bodies in the story of Noah's Ark, but we make it all about these lovely animals. And actually, Noah's Ark is is a deeply sad story. And it can be tricky to explain to them these Old Testament, you know, huge, uh, violent stories. Um, When we usually because we try to tell these stories in isolation. Um, When it's told on its own, it can feel like there's a lot to explain, or we feel like we're not really giving a full picture. So it's just this violent story that we think, I probably shouldn't tell them all of that. So we sort of cut that bit out, and then it just feels weird. Uh, So how how do we tell these stories in the fullness without sanitizing them, and yet still feel that scripture is important? And For me, it's about how we tell the story before and after that makes the difference on what the story comes across. When it's told on its own, it makes no sense. But the Bible is one big story with stuff that happens before and after and builds on each other. So first of all, I would say don't overemphasize these stories. I know some parents go for the more gory stories because they seem more exciting, uh, but actually it can present quite a skewed view of God if you're majoring on these stories rather than the other stories. But when reading a Bible story, I find it's really helpful to remember to to orient it in the bigger story of God and in the wider story that's going on. So if you're telling the story of Jericho, I would tend to, as we're settling down with the kids, to to open the story and flip through the the pages before, whether it's if it's the all the words Bible, which is how I say to kids it's the you know it's the actual scripture um or whether it's a storybook um to flip to the pages before and say okay so where are we in the big story of god what just happened before 
and uh, so and sort of summarize it. So if you remember, God sent Abraham uh, to this land hundreds and hundreds of years ago and said, we're going to have a special close relationship together on this land. But so much happened and the Israelites went to Egypt and became slaves for 400 years. And then God rescued them and said, let's go home. And Moses led them here. And oh, do you remember? They said, no way. We're too scared. We can't do it. And so God and the Israelites went back into the desert for 40 years to get to know God again and remember how trustworthy and mighty and amazing he was and how he'll lead. And finally, God said it was time to come back all this time. And it was finally ready. Other people had moved into this land, people who didn't know God and um, were doing lots of evil things. And they would have to fight. Israelites would have to fight to get what God promised them. I wonder what's going to happen next. And so when we prep that, then it's not just the Israelites were hanging out and we're like, hey, let's go kill a lot of people. Uh, it's oriented in the bigger story of God telling them to, 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 to go restore themselves to the land that he had promised them a long time ago. And depending on the age of your kid, you can go into... You know, that there were people in the land who were far from him that would you know, pull them away from God. And so God was 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 wiping us late clean. And that can be that can be confusing. If you have older kids who are going to have that question, feel free to have that conversation. But not every age needs all of that uh, complexity. Um, rooting it in the wider story is is the helpful thing that will help you get over that random violence appearance um, because it's, it roots it in the wider story. Don't be afraid of the questions that come. Feel free to ask them yourself. Wondering together shows your kid that it's okay to think about those things. Uh, if you have an older kid that you know those questions might come up, you can feel free to say, why do you think God didn't say, just go make friends with the evil people there and share the land? You know, why was he saying everybody needs to go? And you can have that question and you can share your ideas. Uh, we're going to link in the notes to this episode uh, to a snippet from the Parenting for Faith course that talks about simple ways to answer spiritual questions for kids uh, in an easy way. So if you feel like you're like, well, I'm not sure I can answer a big question that comes up. Uh, there's some, there's a simple sort of four-step tools of, of just how to answer questions simply that you will absolutely be able to do. So thank you for your question. I know I didn't answer it all the complexity of it, but I hope that gives you a next step. And uh, we'd love to hear more of your questions. It's the wild card section. Now, I normally like to have an interview or somebody else who answered a question, so you're not just listening to my voice all the time. But it was Christmas and I couldn't find anybody. <laughs> so you're stuck with my voice for the whole podcast. Uh, so I'm sorry. But next week, ooh, 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 next week, everybody, uh, the one people I did see over our Christmas break, my parents flew in from America. I've lived in this country for 17 years at this point. Am I on 17? 17 or 16 years and uh, my parents uh, come over and they came over for Christmas and I thought you know what I'm going to interview them so over the next couple of weeks in some of the wild card sections you're going to hear my parents reflection of what it was like to parent me uh, spiritually and uh, and what they learned on the journey but this section uh, I thought we could cover something that I think we all uh, worry about sometimes which is particularly at the beginning of a year, we, we 
constantly are asking ourselves, where is my kid spiritually? Because when we talk about parenting for faith, some of it is, what do I need to do? But parenting for faith really is about saying, what is the next step for my kids spiritually and how can I help them take it? We're not trying to be the perfect Christian parents. We're just trying to walk alongside our kids in their journey. But that does require that we find out where they are in their spiritual life. And when we feel like we can, it's really empowering to us because like us, most of our spiritual lives are intensely private. It's why we need to talk about creating windows. One of the tools we talk about in Parenting for Faith, creating windows into our life so our kids can see what our spiritual life looks like because usually it's so private. So it can be feel hard to see into our children's spiritual lives if they aren't creating windows back. So I wanted to share really quickly a few ways that you can see into your kids' spiritual life so you can know what the next step is for them spiritually. The first thing I want to remind you of is it's natural. It's a totally natural thing that their spiritual life is hidden. Your children aren't trying to hide from you or anything sinister. Their faith is rightly a one-to-one relationship that we aren't a part of. Just because we don't know everything, just as we don't know everything about their friendships with their friends, neither do we know everything about their relationship with God. That's okay. We want to encourage that. Because the message we're giving them is that your connection with God is between you and God, and I encourage and support that. But just as we can observe our children's friendships and how they're responding to that, and then coach them in that, so we can do that with their relationship with God. You already have loads of these skills. Life with God isn't a scale to measure up to. Uh, It's just finding out where your kids are in connection with God is just getting to know their next steps. It's not a judgment of are they doing well or are they not doing well with God. You're just finding out where they are so you can help them take the next step. So there's two ways you can find out about your kid's spiritual life. Primarily, you find about it indirectly. You can find out about your kid's spiritual lives directly or indirectly, but indirectly, our children are communicating about their connection with God more than we think. From how they view God to how they're feeling about him, often it just sort of leaks out of them here and there, just little bits here and there. I mean, even if you don't do anything, you'll you're just more than notice what drips out of their mouths uh, and the behavior that you will be able to pick up it is quite a lot of information. It may be an interesting exercise to just jot down your observations over a month to get a view of what you see. Ask God to help you see what you need to in order to know how to encourage them and to connect with God better. And just pay attention. Don't worry about jumping to conclusions. Just observe and listen. Remember, there is a difference about how kids feel about God in church. So how your child behaves at church may be much more about how your family and church functions rather than how they're genuinely connecting to God in everyday life. So when you're at church, you might want to notice things like When are there moments that you feel like they're actually connecting to God or his purposes and why? If they talk about God in everyday life, what comes up? Not just are they talking, but what kind of things are they saying? Nothing is positive or negative. It just is. Uh, You can even create situations to observe something interesting. If you read together at night, ask your child to choose the Bible story they want to hear that night and see what pops up. Uh, Say, interesting, why this story out of all of them? What makes this a good story for tonight? Or what do you think God is doing right now? Or ask curious questions that open up opportunities for them to leak how they feel about God. At the end of every podcast, we give you curious questions to open up conversations like that with your kids. 
directly. We can be afraid to ask directly. It's a hard thing. Uh, But just as we can notice what they're putting out indirectly, directly, we can just go on in and ask some questions. But it's about what question we ask, not about if we're asking questions. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm kerfuffled when someone asks me like an awkward question about God. Like, how are you doing spiritually? It's a weird one for anyone to answer. But that doesn't mean you can't directly ask. It's just about what questions to ask. Questions like, sometimes I feel really peaceful and connected to God, like he's real and right here. And other times in my life, I've totally forgotten about him and feel kind of disconnected. How are you feeling in your connection with God today? Or it's my job as a parent to help you in your adventure of life with God. Is there anything that I could do better or different that would help? Or I never want you to feel like you have to perform for me, telling me things you want to think I want to hear about you and God. You don't have to perform for me. I may ask you questions, but it's because I really want to know the real answer. You know, you're on your own journey with God and it'll look different at different times. I just want to understand you really well. And hearing honestly about you and God helps me understand you better. When we, when we pay attention to what they're indirectly dripping out of them and we feel bold enough to ask directly some questions or talk about how we want to know what's going on with them, then we sort of create a scenario for our kids to um, share with us where they are and then we can help them take the next step. It doesn't have to be a formal next step. It can just be helping us know. So one parent decided to take a month just to notice indirectly her kid's spiritual leakings and noticed that her chatty five-year-old was curious about everything, asking loads of questions, but never, ever asked any questions about God or anything spiritual. Over a month, she realized that her child's view of God was very neat and tidy and small. She concluded that maybe she needed to start creating more windows into her own life so her child could see how God was involved in more than just nature and vaguely liking us, but that he was a part of everyday choices and feelings. Over the next few months, she saw her inquisitive child begin to think out loud and ask questions and try out new approaches to God in her own life, just because she began to create more windows into where God was in hers. Another parent noticed his child really disconnecting during the sung worship at church. He decided to ask directly about it in a non-judgmental way. He said, I I noticed today that during the singing, it looked like you weren't really feeling connected to God, but I know that you can't really tell that from the outside. So what do you feel when we do the singing part of church? The child said that he felt really bored at church and then said, I just don't like singing in front of people. The parent picked up on that last sentence, but I hear you singing along to songs really loud at home. And the kid said, yeah, I like singing, just not all together. And something dropped, something clicked in the dad's head. Uh, and so the dad said, I, worship can be a really good way of telling God our feelings and being encouraged by his truth. How about we find some worship songs that you really like that you can listen to in your room and sing as loud as you want? And they did just that. And within the week at bedtimes, after the final you know, kiss and cuddle, the parent could hear his kids singing away to God. It all starts with getting a sense of what's happening now in your child's connection. You don't need a full picture or a complete and total understanding. God knows what's going on in their connection too, and is faithful to poke you and create opportunities for you to see. Whether indirectly or directly, as it comes up with no pressure, just feel free to notice and enjoy the journey of seeing where your kid is now, and then you and God can decide the next steps for them. And finally, the question to start a conversation with your kids. It's the beginning of the year, so you may want to say, at the beginning of the year is sometimes when I think, 
What do I want to do differently and get better at? What is the one thing I do as your parent, carer, grandparent that you definitely want me to keep doing? What is one thing I do that helps you and God do your secret together thing? Have a really good week and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.